Uh, first of all, my name is Zach Wilson. If you don't know me, my wife and family, four kids, we moved here in June to be a part of the church plant in Golston. And I can't tell you enough how thankful we are for First Servants Church. We are so blessed to be a part of, of this, this body of believers. And you guys have encouraged us so much and supported us and um, given to us and had us over for meals. It's all these things. We really are, we really are completely encouraged by you guys. I would encourage you um, for more encouragement uh, just to, to, when it comes to mind, to be praying for Golston, to be praying about the, the people there, the people in Yarmouth, the work there. Uh, there's such a need, as there is everywhere in the world. There's just a need for people to know the truth and to know the word. And um, so continue praying for that, I would ask you. Okay, so we're going to be in Psalm 44. I didn't, I didn't pick this psalm to teach this morning. I was given it. Um, and I say that because it's not, it's not one that I would have picked. Although, after, after studying and really looking into it, I'm excited about what we have this morning. It's one of those psalms, you ever wake up in the morning and you're like, I just want a good psalm. And so you kind of look through the title. Maybe I'm the only one who does this, but you look through the title and it says, like, God's love. Oh, that's good. God's faithfulness. Oh, there you go. You know, you do that. There's other ones that say judgment, pain, you know, pain and suffering. This is one of those, you know, so I would, I would naturally skip over this one when we're looking at psalms with our kids in the morning, you know, eating cereal. Like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll move along, you know, Psalm 119 or something like that. Um, but here we are. So Psalm 144, I titled it Singing in the Pain. I grabbed, I grabbed a title from a certain movie. You guys catch that? Singing in the Rain. I tweaked it a bit. Has anyone seen Singing in the Rain? Okay, I haven't. But I, I did watch that clip because I was like, I can't title it without seeing the clip. And I kind of got the gist of it. You know, there's a guy, he's singing in the rain. There's a joy in his heart. He knows where he's going. He's, you know, and so even though it's rainy, he can still, he can still sing in the rain. And then I was thinking about England. I'm, and I'm from, I'm from Washington State, so it's, just, it's the same. It just rains so much. And I got to thinking, boy, if we're, if we're not going to sing in the rain, we're never going to sing. Because it's, 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 always, it's always raining here. But I like it. I, 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 do enjoy the, I do enjoy the rain. This psalm that we're talking about this morning is looking at a season of life for, for the follower of God going through pain. So then I was thinking about pain. Some of us have, have experienced a lot of pain. Some of us have experienced pain that we aren't comfortable to share. We aren't comfortable to talk about. Some of us go through pain so much that if we're not singing in the pain... We're not going to be singing. Maybe you've, maybe you've felt like that. But I can speak to the young parents in here, this sort of pain of uh, insomnia, you know, not having much sleep. There's, there's that, kind of, that kind of pain with young children. Some of us are experience, experiencing um, health or physical fatigue, those sorts of things. Some of us have lost loved ones. Recently, that's that's one thing this past year that my family and I have dealt with. Um, it's very painful. It's very it's very difficult. It brings up a lot of emotions that I didn't know were there. Um, and sometimes you can even just think about it and start tearing up. You don't even have to voice it. You just start thinking about it, and and uh, the tears are flowing. Some of us are experiencing loved ones who walked away from the Lord. That's a difficult season of pain. But whatever the case. We go through pain 
in life. And if things aren't easy sailing right now, I assure you, you're going to go through some pain. It's, I don't know, you know, I, I want to encourage you and say, everything's going to be great. You're going to be fine. You know, all, you know, flowers and roses, all that stuff. But that's, that's not the case because we live in a fallen, broken world. And that's just, gonna, that's just what's going to happen. So this psalm reveals to us the reality of pain that God's very own people can go through. And it shows our standing in him that, that even still we can say, this is um, Paul in Romans 8.38, we are more than conquerors. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we're going to kind of unpack that verse a little bit this morning. But let's start here in um, chapter 44, verses 1 through 3. It says, O oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the young peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. So right away, the people remember what their fathers had told them, the testimonies of, of God, these amazing things that God did in, in the, past, the past generations. And you think of things like walking through the sea. That's an amazing thing that would have happened. Or bread falling out of the sky and picking up and eating. That's, that's an amazing thing that happened. There were many, many amazing things that God had done to provide for his children that were passed down from generation to generation. And so they open this song with that. They remember those things that they've been told. And so they're singing. They're singing about it. And I just picture in my mind the older generation sitting around a fire, because I, I love sitting around fires, it's just a, especially in the rain, sitting around a fire, and the young ones gathered around, and the old generation is talking to the young ones about what's happened in the past. This is how God provided. This is how this, we were right at the sea, everything, it, it was a, a horrible situation, we all thought we were going to die, and all of a sudden, God provided, and we walked right through. This or that. So many different stories that, that could have been shared to that generation. Sitting around, sitting around the table for breakfast, sharing with, with the children, this is what happened. This is how it happened. This is what I was going through when it happened. I was doubting. I was freaking out. But God, but God provided. Psalm 78, 3 through 4 says, Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. But tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. So the story of God's faithfulness being passed down from generation to, to generation. And none of this was because of their own strong, buff bodies that they were able to do that. None of it was because of them, but it was because the Lord delighted in them. It's because the Lord's favor and love was upon them. Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping his oath. 
This is a great little side note reminder that just glares off the pages for me when I look at this. The need for the older generation to pass these things down. I'm in a generation full of social media. That's kind of just you know, blown up in my generation. And I have about you know, 2,000 friends on there. I got a lot of friends. But the interesting thing about that is we don't have a lot of friends. Even though it says we have all these friends, we can be so lonely. My generation seems to be the loneliest generation of all the generations. And we're seeing these things come up now in, um, with certain statistics. The need for the older generations, those who went through the 50s and the 60s, maybe even the 40s, I don't know, 50s, 60s, 70s, to pass these things down. This is what happened. This, it was very difficult, but we trusted in God and he provided. So many of, and I say, I say us young people, because I call myself young still. I don't know if that's okay, but I'm going to do it any, anyway. There's such a need for me to know what the older generation went through. There's such a need for me to sit by the fire and have my grandfather explaining to me, this is what happened, and this is how I trusted, and this is how the Lord provided. This is how he provided. This is, this is how it looked. This is, what, this is what I went through. Because what we do with that, my, my generation, is we take what we've heard and we apply it. Because we're going to go through pains. We, we all experience pain. I'm going to go through things that my grandfather went through. Maybe not exactly, but I'm going to experience things that are painful. And I'm going to remember, oh, my grandfather went through that. He trusted the Lord. He gave me these, showed me these verses. He showed me these different things. And I, I can do that too. And that's what we see happen in these next few verses. The people are going to take what they've heard and they're going to apply it. They're going to apply it to their own lives. So, Let's look at verses 4 through 8. It says, You are my king, O God, ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. So real quick, Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So we see in this song, they're turning and they're applying the things of the past. The song kind of goes from this is what happened and this is now how, how we've, we've applied it. We've taken God on as our own. So again, not only do they hear about these wonderful attributes that, that God revealed to their fathers, but they lived them out. They were able to experience them themselves. So they sing out, Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, and you are my king, O God. They say, Them you planted, them you set free, and through you we push down our foes, and have put to shame those who hate us. For not by their own sword did they win the land, and not in my bow do I trust. So there's this sort of transaction taking God on as my own now. I've heard these things, and now I've experienced them myself. And in verse 8, they sing, We will give thanks to your name forever. This is really important to note, because in a second, the song is going to switch to <sighs> that kind of moment where you're like, what happened? We're going to look at that in a second. But... 
the people now have their own history with God. This, this younger generation who had written this song and are now singing it, they had experienced something that their fathers experienced, God's faithfulness, and that they're able to thank Him and praise His name forever. And they even boasted openly about their God. They talked about these things openly. God does this. God did this. They personally had times of, of victories in their lives, and they actually overcame people that rose up against them. And so, this is what makes this next season of their lives in this song so confusing. It's almost like you're reading a different song. You're like, did a page get ripped out? What's going on? Because this is, this is a completely sort of um, shift of gears here. But I'm going to read it through uh, verse 16. So, 9 through 16. But you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe. And those who hate us have gotten spoil. You have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me and shame has covered my face. At the sound of the taunter and reviler, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. Isn't that crazy? The pain that they're experiencing now here, we'll talk about it in a, in a, in a minute. This pain that they're going through, it's, it's real. They're really hurting. This generation is really hurting. The enemy had come into the land and they're tearing apart everything in their path. Historians tell us about this time um, that there was great despair and disbelief as homes are being torn apart, children are being taken away captive. Um, and some say that if you would have seen this on the, the evening news, you would have turned it off. Because the, the storylines that are wrapped up in, in this moment of the people are hard, are hard to understand. They're hard, they're hard to take in. Families left grieving and left literally, literally torn apart. But the deepest pain is found in verse 9. Verse 9 says, but you have rejected us. They're talking about God. But you have rejected us. You can't read this without thinking about our Savior, can you? You can't read this without thinking about Jesus' work on the cross for us. Matthew 27, 46, Jesus hanging on the cross and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's going on? What's going on? I've had people bring up the fact that lots of people died from the crucifixion. Kind of, you know, to make a point that, eh, it's, you know, thousands of people died by crucifixion. But no one spent all of eternity in perfect fellowship and harmony with the Father to then come down as a baby born in a manger and then spend some years on earth and then die on a cross. No one experienced that. We can't understand this pain. God, why, why have you forsaken me? Why has this happened? So the pain for the people of God, it was intense. If God gave them the land, God brought them in, 
in his grace and enable them to de defeat their enemies. Their forefathers had really cool stories about what God did. They had really cool stories about what God did. Why is this happening? Why is the enemy winning? Why is there so much pain? There's emotions and feelings that run through the follower of God because the pain is real. It's a reality that a, that a person goes through. And it's a reality that even God's children, us today, we experience these things. We experience, there can be a sense of, of rejection by God. God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why is this happening right now? What's going on? In verse 13, we see that the pain could be humiliating. You have, verse 13, you have made us the taunt of our neighbors. They're literally taunted by the neighboring nations. <laughs> you said that God did that for you. Look at you now. Your home's falling apart. You're not, you're not healthy like you used to be. Where's your life savings? It's gone. We took it. Ah! They're, they're taunting them. Pain is something that's hard for us to bring up. It's hard for us to talk about. It really is. You know, we have the saying at church, hey, how's it going? It's great. How are you? Mm. You know, we do that. There's, there's nothing wrong. You know, it's just what we do. Um, but really, what's going on? You know, really, really what's going on? There's, there could be deep pain. We don't want to bring it up. We don't, well, do you have a minute? Sit down. Let me talk, you know, that might not be the right place and time for that. But there's things going on in our life that we can't talk about. Some we can, you know, oh, you know, I've had a tough weekend, I threw my back out, or, you know, whatever, you pray for me. But there's other things that we can't talk about. We just can't, we can't bring up. We, we don't want to mention what's going on. We can be embarrassed. We can be nervous to bring it up, afraid. Verse 15, all day long my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face. So they couldn't just sleep it off. It wasn't those things. You know, maybe if I just, I still think this today. If I just, if I go to sleep, if I could just sleep, when I wake up, everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. I threw my back out a month and a half ago or something like that. And I still feel it. You know, I'm still like, oh, what's going on? And I think, okay, if I just sleep, when I wake up, it'll be gone. And I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's not gone. It's, it's still there. It's still happening. But even God's children go through deep hurts. And we can't just, just sleep it off. It's always, it's always there. So that's what these people are going through. And they're wondering, God, why is this happening? You've rejected us, God. What's going on? So let's look at verses 17 through 22. All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So the season of pain can be really confusing. It's really, it's really confusing for these people. Why is this happening to me? Many of, of these sorts of psalms are written with kind of an understanding of, no, I know why this is happening to me. God, we've, 
we've forsaken you. Lord, we've done this. Lord, we've done that. Kind of a crying out in desperation of, of um, repentance. Lord, take the judgment from us. We know, we know we did that, this or that. But here, they, in verse 17, they say, All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. As far as I know, I haven't done anything wrong. I mean, I know I'm a sinner. I know I mess up. I've done, you know, some stupid things or whatever. But I've, I've been faithful to your covenant. I've been faithful to um, the things that you've taught us. What's, what's going on? I'm sure most of us have done some stupid things. If I asked you to raise your hands, have you ever done something stupid? Probably like, yeah. You know, we'd all probably raise our hand. When I was younger with my friends, uh, we used to play with fireworks. I love fireworks. Um, and this one Fourth of July, we went out into this five-acre field with trees and tall grass. Grass was like up to here. And we just started playing with fireworks. You know, I spent like over 250 pounds on fireworks. And I'm just like, let's do it. And so we went out there. And you know, we're shooting. Just don't, I don't do this anymore. Okay, so don't, don't hold this against me. We have these Roman candle wars, you know, like you're shooting each other. Uh, and at the time, I thought, this is a lot of fun. And I also thought, this isn't very smart. You know, something, something not good is going to happen. We were, we were house-sitting for someone who was away. And, uh, and so we're, you know, we're doing this thing. And I just was thinking, as I'm putting out, you know, small fires that are happening, I'm like, ah, this, can't, this can't be good. Went home that, that night to my house, got a call from a friend you got to get down here. Everything is on fire. And uh, I'm like driving, like, it's just overreacting, you know, we're just teenagers. I'm like driving helicopters, you know, fire brigade, everyone's there digging fire lines to save the house. So I knew, I knew that all this judgment and, you know, wrath was going to come upon me. It was my, it was my fault. I, I did that. I was not very smart. And I even made it in the, the uh, newspaper, which is kind of cool. <laughs> but God's children go through experiences that can't be explained. I wasn't playing with fireworks. You know, what's, what's going on? I don't, know what, I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know what's going on. I, I tried to stick to what you've shown me in your word, but still this pain, these things have happened. The, the people are even asking God, search, search my heart. Search our hearts. As believers today, we, we think about we think about how we're in his word. You know, we're here at, at church. We try to have integrity. We try to be honest. So why, why is it happening? We can let these thoughts drive us to some serious doubts. I'm sure you've met somebody. Maybe you've gone through these things yourself. If God is so good. I've heard that a lot from, from unbelievers. If God's so good, then why is this? If God, but we've also heard it from believers. If God's so good, if he's so true, you know, we sing these songs about him, this or that, why is this happening to me? Why am I experiencing this? Verse 22, yet for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So that verse that we we read in the beginning in Romans, um, Paul grabbed it from this very song written in this very season of the people of God. He grabbed this verse to show us something. So Romans, I don't have it on the screen right now, but I will in a little bit. Romans 8, 35 through 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed 
all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's such a good verse. That's a verse you want on your refrigerator. You can read it every morning. We're going we're gonna to look at that in a minute. But the, re- the realization comes now as we move and kind of transition into the end of this song. So there is uh, somewhat of a, of a happy ending. It's okay. Verses 23 through 26. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. The most fascinating thing to me about this psalm, this song that was written, is that it was sung in the pain. So it's not written, you know, a thousand years later. Remember that time we were going through all that pain? Let's sing about that. It was great. It's written, you know how we're going through all that pain right now? Let's write about it. And then we'll sing. That's the most fascinating thing to me. When we're going through intense pain, when we're going through seasons of doubt, it's hard to start, oh, okay, yeah, worship music, here we go. You know, sing. It, it can be hard. It can be hard. Sometimes it's even hard to, to pick up the word, you know, to even read, because we're, we're just, we're in such disbelief. We're so tired. Things are so confusing. But these people, they wrote, they penned this song during this time. God, you've done some really amazing things in, in, our, in our forefathers' lives. You've done some amazing things in our lives but what's going on right now? This pain. Why are we experiencing this? And they write that down. So, they end the song with recognizing that God is sovereign and in control. Because verse 23, Why are you sleeping, O Lord? That word Lord, Adonai. Adonai, meaning owner, master of all. God is in control. Why is this happening? Why why are these things happening? Oh, one who's in control. Oh, one who's master over all. So they declare that God is God who has, in the very end there, who has a steadfast love. Who has steadfast love. So even though those things are taking place, those things have happened, they can say God is a God of love. God is a God who's in control. They came to the place that Job reached when he said, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Wow. What a difficult time to trust when you're being slain. It really is a difficult time. I mean, I haven't literally been slain in that way. But going through pain, what a difficult time to trust. And so this psalm is actually sandwiched. It sandwiches the the real pain that the people are going through. So there's the, there's the acknowledgement of God's goodness on the top piece of bread, right? God's faithfulness, his sovereignty. And then you have the pain, that's the meat. And then you have the rest, which is his steadfast love. It's almost like the, the pain enhanced their view of God. It's almost like it showed them something. Okay, even though these things are growing, whoa, God, you are in control. You are in control. You do love us. 
enhance their understanding of his favor toward them. Tim Keller said, one of the main ways we move from abstract knowledge about God to a personal encounter with him as a living reality is through the furnace of affliction. Isn't that true? The way that my kids really understand comfort is they run to their daddy and they give me a hug. Sometimes my kids will run and scrape their knee and there's, ah, it's just the worst thing ever, you know? And they're just crying out and they're just like, where's daddy, where's daddy? They, they find me and they jump in my arms and everything's okay. And when that happens, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm holding them, it's nice. I'm like, I, this, wouldn't, this moment wouldn't be happening unless you scraped your knee, you know? I mean, obviously we hug my kids when they're not in pain as well and take <laughs> care of them. But that, at that moment, I'm just like, this is really special, you know? There's, you know, even though there's, there's blood everywhere and things are happening, you know, clean it up, help, and just, oh, you know, this is, and they understand that. Wow, the Father's comfort. The father, I'm going through pain, and it's almost like the pain isn't as bad when they jump in my arms. Like, oh, okay, I'm fine. You know, can I have a lolly? I'm like, yeah, I don't. It kind of just, it's, a, it's that way. C.S. Lewis said, pain removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of a rebel soul. We read Romans 8, 35 through 37. Um, should be on the screen now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What does Paul do? He pulls out the sandwich. He sandwiches the pain as well. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So there's the, the love of Christ. And then the pain, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, being killed all day long. And then in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Just sandwiched it right there. He's stating that just because we have distress, just because we have Danger, persecution, sword, even as far as being slaughtered, literally losing your life, the love of Christ has not been removed from us. It's not been removed. Just because we're experiencing deep pain and going through things that we can't talk about to others, it does not affect Jesus' love for us, which is a beautiful thing. What's the proof? The proof is this. We are more than conquerors. Paul didn't say we are conquerors through him who loved us. He said we are more than conquerors. Because to be a conqueror is to have victory over the enemy. Yes, I won. I conquered. To be a conqueror means to be in control of circumstances. But to be more than a conqueror is entirely different than that. It's completely different than that. To be more than a conqueror is to say, no matter who wins, I'm victorious. It's to have victory not over the difficulty, but in it. That's what being more than a conqueror is. It's to say, no matter what happens, I sense the presence of the Lord with me even though I'm going through this. And although I might not understand exactly what he's up to, I can trust him. I can still come to church 
on Sunday mornings and be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can still get up in the morning and, and open the Word or sing worship songs in the car or whatever, whatever it is. I can do that because my victory is not over that difficulty. I am already victorious in Christ. How do I know that? Jesus proved it on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. Now we can sing in the pain. We can sing. And this isn't that fake smile, you know, ah, everything's good. Yeah, it's not that sort of thing. We can say, yeah, it's, I'm having a, a difficult time, but God is good. I'm going through a, a major serious season of, of doubt, but I know God's in control. I know that he's going to carry me through. One thing we tell our kids, and it's good for myself, is that this is not our home. I try, I, we, we teach, we're kind of like instilling that in our children. This isn't our home. Amen. Our home, I mean, just think, you know, in a hundred years from now, we're all going to be, those who are in Christ, we're going to be there singing in our home, surrounded by this love that's covered us. We'll be home and we'll fully understand will fully understand his goodness. But this is, this is not our home. For me, being retired is not my home. Having the kids out of my house is not, that's not my home. Future things here on earth are not, are not my home. My home is in heaven. So this psalm, it's an encouragement to the follower of Jesus today that proof of God's love for us is not that we go through life without pain, everything's smooth sailing. The proof of God's love is that he's holding us through it. That's the, that's the proof of God's love. That's how we know that God's in control. Uh, 2 Corinthians, I don't think I have it up there. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. That's a, that's a, a very encouraging verse. It's a very encouraging verse because God's comfort is being experienced here through the affliction. I can talk about it. I can, you know, theologically get things correct. This is what it looks like. This is what this word means in Greek and Hebrew. It's good. But until I actually experience that pain, that trial, I won't know this sort of comfort. God's comfort that comforts us in any affliction, so that we may be able to comfort others. That's why we pray together. That's why we come to church. That's why we have bring and share. That's why we have our, you know, our time between worship and, and the teaching to talk with each other. We have to know this as believers. We have to know this, especially for that older generation. I desperately need that. What was the comfort like that you went through? What was it like when you had young kids and you, you never had any sleep and every day you thought you were going to die? 
What was that like? Did you make it through? Are you okay? Do you have any promises for me in the Word? What was that like? I loved, I loved, um, there's only a few moments that happened, but hearing from that generation that went through um, World War II. I, I love hearing those stories. What, what did it look like? What were the surroundings like? What, what happened? Because for, our younger, for the younger generation, we desperately need that. And that brings in discipleship, doesn't it? Taking people alongside you, showing, you know what? The pain is not proof that God's not there. It's not proof that God doesn't love you. God's showing you that he's faithful. God's showing you that he's a father who wants to just pick you up and hold you through it. And so those who've gone through difficult seasons, you talk with them and you can almost see it in their eyes. They, they know something that you don't about God. It's like a, a certain way that he's hugged them or taken care of them. He brought them through that health issue. He brought them through that thing, or they're still going through it, but he's promising to bring them home. It's a beautiful thing. So I want to encourage you guys. I, I feel like there's, um, there's a lot in here. Obviously, it speaks about pain. I just want to encourage you guys that if that is something that you're going through, if you're going through a season of, um, of pain that you, that you can't um, you can't discuss, or, or you, you don't feel comfortable ringing up right now. We're going to end with a song, and um, I want to encourage you guys, in this song, talk, talk to the Lord about it, and, and lay, it at, lay it at his feet, and be honest with God. One thing that's wonderful about those who wrote the Bible is that they, they're honest with God. They can say, God, where are you? They're honest. I'm going through this thing. I'm having such a hard time. Lord, I need you. I need you. It doesn't make sense. They're honest. Be honest with God. And also, find someone you trust after the service or through the week. Give someone a ring. Find someone you trust to talk about with these things, to hold you accountable, especially our emotions, to hold those things accountable to God. But after the song, if you want to um, find someone to pray with, Welcome to do that. I'm sure there's many people here who, like we've discussed, have gone through uh, difficult times and have experienced that comfort. Find someone to, to pray with. Find, find someone to talk, talk with about that. Um, and then continuing to trust. It, that verse ended with, um, it says, Redeem us from this, for the sake of your steadfast love. God loves us. He really does. And we can sing that in the pain. We can say, God loves us, even when times are hard. So let me pray, and then we'll um, close with a song. And again, an encouragement just to talk with, talk with God and then find someone after the service to pray with. So let's pray. God, thank you for your steadfast love. Thank you for your care and your concern toward your children. And thank you that you proved that on the cross. Lord, you prove that you love us. You prove that you care about us. You prove that you would take every necessary action it would take to be able to call us your friend. And we thank you, God, that this morning we are called friends as we trust and believe. Pray, Lord, for anyone here who's experiencing a season of, of pain. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you'd pour out your grace upon them. I pray, Lord, that the, the word would come alive as they open it and read it. God, that you would speak to them through your word. Lord, and that you would continue to carry them through.
And just ask God that uh, you would continue to bless our times of fellowship as we get together and, and as we have those moments where we can pray and talk with each other. Bless those times, God. We just give you all the glory and the praise and the honor that's due your name because we really can sing in the pain. So we thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen.